You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the Afterlaugh. I'm here with uh, an actual, an actual friend of mine. Because you know, in the comedy world, there there are friends, and they're real friends. And Mark, yeah. I consider you a real friend. And uh, actually, having you here is just an excuse, kind of, to hang out with you. I've seen you. This is Mark hey, Saratel, hey. ladies and gentlemen. How what are you up? doing, man? What up, dude? What up? <laughs> What's going on, man? How you doing? You, you brought your dog here. You have you have the coolest rescue dog. What, yeah. when, when do dogs go from being? I got a dog from the pound. To being rescue dogs. Like, when did that... Because everything's really about you. And yes. rescue dogs makes you a hero. Yeah. You know, a dog from the pound is kind of like a filthy little animal. Yeah, I get this filthy little animal. But if you got a rescue dog, it's like, I got this thing that turned me into a hero. Yeah, exactly. But when I was a kid, you got a dog from the pound. I was like, where do you get a dog from the pound? And you were ashamed about it. Yeah, because you were like a dirty family. You know, I got a dog from the pound. We live at the trailer, now, all of us together. That must have been... I wonder if that was like the ASPCA did some sort of like market research. Yeah, and PR... To- yeah, it's good. These the dogs PR are pure. Team. Yeah, because I remember thinking like you had to have a pure breed. But also there's just more dogs now that you need the, the whole pit bull explosion. You know, where people are like, let's get a dog, pit bull, because your pit bull's a beautiful dog. Yeah. But they're 97% of the um, rescue dog population. Are they really? I think yeah. it's chihuahuas. No, no. Pit bulls. And, there, and there's still a lot of states that have pit bulls banned, right? Yeah. They're illegal in, in Toronto, apparently. Yeah, that's not a state anymore, but it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's a state of mind. But I've heard like I've heard there was a, a baseball player who couldn't bring his pit bull. He played for Major League Baseball. He couldn't bring his pit bull because it was – he couldn't get across the border because of some ban on pit bulls. I don't know. Maybe I just yeah. made that shit up. But that no, that sense. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They're banned in some countries for sure. Really? In, it's in a very countries? American dog. Yeah, yeah. And also it's kind of like – when everyone talks about assault, assault ri- ri- rifles, yeah, it's like a machine. I was just thinking it's the same thing. Assault it's style rifle, like AR-15 style, like pit bull type dog. Oh, you're like, gonna get such hate tweets for this because pe- people that love their pit bulls love their pit bulls. Yeah, but they're they're but pit bull isn't like one breed. It's basically twenty different breeds mixed with a hundred different breeds, so that end up looking like a pit bull, right? It's it's like that Supreme Court ruling where like I know porn when I see it. It's like I know a pit bull when I see it. <laughs> you know? I don't know that Supreme What what was that Supreme Court ruling? It was about, you know, what nude photos are art and which ones are porn and Oh, it, that's right, Jesse Helms. Yeah, and it's like what uh, you know, I know good. when I that's see That's actually it. a really good segue, Mark, because one of the things I I find really fascinating about you and I wanted to talk to you about on the podcast is you were a person in the world. Yeah. You were a civilian and you were educated and you were a teacher. Yeah, and I remember we had this conversation. I think you know when you're a comic and you travel on the road a lot and you have these long trips from yeah. from uh, Hollywood to to Vegas. <laughs> you're like, okay, who am I going to be stuck with for a week? And I remember we had this conversation. But I'd, I'd like to you know I'd like to talk to you about that because I always found it very very. I find the fast. It's fascinating how people get into stand up because a lot of people get into to it very circumlocutious ways. I got I was an actor. I was already performing. I was a professional break dancer and dancer. So. So stand-up wasn't that much of a jump, but you were a, a high school teacher or elementary, elementary school teacher. Elementary. You were a professional break dancer. Yeah, I didn't know that you were pro. You can go pro. You were an well, electric I mean, bigaloo. By, by saying, uh, I didn't get an audition, but I did. I, did you? I, I, no, I, I oh. danced. I made. I bought my apartment in New York from 
breakdance commercials. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that I filmed. How could I not know? How could I not know that about you? Because I'm fucking. You know, or maybe you told was, me and I that's forgot. That's when I was twenty. Twenty-two. You're still breaking no. it. You're so you're like an OG breakdancer too. Because if you're 22 breakdancing, you're you're because no, that's like a well. That's what I, I did the commercial. I guess I did the commercials when I was like 24, maybe or but something. But still, like um, but yeah, no, I was I was in a breakdance crew called Shake and Break. Oh, okay. And my name was Kid Flex. <laughs> really? No way. And uh, and I was good. I was I was really skinny, so I could I could just look. I just made myself look weird in my body. I could contort my body. Anyway. Yeah. So anyway, I was, yeah. So, uh, that is, so Rio's upset. Why is Rio upset? <laughs> he doesn't know. There's probably cats and raccoons around. Something. Okay. So my point is, uh, but yeah, whatever. But I was, I was performing for a long time. So, and I was still terrified to become a standup. So when I look at someone like you, you were, uh, let, let, let's hear your story. Cause I think it's fascinating and maybe this will be good opportunity for you to, to shit on your ex too if you want no no okay good um so you were in You're how, not allowed. How, how did that come about by the way that you became a teacher was that what you wanted to do yeah definitely yeah definitely from what age maybe high school on like mid high school being like oh i should do i like teaching i like being here did you did you knew that you want to teach kids or was that mm-hmm. sort of really always like kids yeah I like being around them yeah I think they're funny still do yeah yep and so you were in high school and you were your parents teachers I think also too when you're in high school and you don't want you don't know what you want to do you go maybe I'll just stay here. Yeah, okay. You know, and your high school is where is in in upstate New York, near Buffalo, yeah. Near or, Albany. Near Albany. Well, right. in Albany. In Albany. <laughs> so close to Albany that it's in Albany. <laughs> <laughs> and you were so you thought okay, I'm going to graduate here and I'm going to teach in Albany. Yeah, I thought like, oh, I loved history. Well, no, I went to school in North Carolina. Okay, that's right. Yeah, because I needed to get out of Albany. Just went, wanted to move away. Yeah, and I thought like, oh, I'll be a high school history teacher. I love history, but that's like one of the hardest jobs to get. Is it really? Yeah, absolutely. Because every history major wants to teach history, so that's like one of. Because as a history major, that's all you can. do. That's pretty much all you can do. Yeah, yeah, honestly. Because you're yeah. not even teaching history in college, really. Yeah, you can't like go to the moon and then teach history there. You get it's just like, <laughs> you know, the history here. Stay in this building and tell people what what you learned. You know. <laughs> Yeah. Get a smoker's jacket, smoke weed with a student, get someone pregnant. That hide makes it. sense. And also because yeah. there is – I mean, imagine you take history in college, in grad school, but not really, right? History is – No, I you mean, take it in grad school. Yeah, I, took, I, was, I graduated with a history degree. Oh, you did in yeah. college? And yeah. And was this North Carolina – University of North Carolina. At where? Chapel Hill. Chapel Hill. Yep. Tommy Wakefield, is that where you went? Where my dad went. Okay. Where, Wake Forest? No, Chapel Hill. Oh, your Chapel. dad went to Chapel Hill? Yeah. Oh, cool. He's off mic, so we can't hear him right now. Oh, okay, cool. Where, where Gerard so, Carmichael Tommy, you got to get on the mic if you want to talk. He's from there, yeah. But I think Gerard Carmichael went to that school. Well, he might have. Danny McBride went there. <laughs> went to oh, your yeah. same school? Yeah, yeah. UNC School of the Arts. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Gerard Carmichael went there. Be, He's definitely from that city. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, uh... Our, Big right. fan of Carmichael. That's anyway, a North Carolina is a good school. Didn't some shit yeah. just happen in North Carolina? There was a shooting at shooting. UNC Charlotte. Yeah, that, which was. Sad. I saw. I read in the paper today. This is an awful segue, but someone said this shooter's name, blah 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 blah. This happened. He's being held by the cops. Mm-hmm. He, we tried to reach him for for comment, but we're not unable to. Why the fuck were you reaching out for the to the shooter for comment? Good question. That's so bizarre to me. Is that am I on crack? Did that happen anyway? Um, so <laughs> they're no longer a, a, a shooter. He's like a. A rescue gun owner. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, exactly. 
That's so bizarre. Like what the you know the comment they want him to say is, "I did it because Trump." Yeah, yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm. Ah, we knew it. Anyway, um, so that's let's not go down that fucking path. But um, I want to so, go back. So you're you're in Albany now. So were you were you smoking weed and drinking? Were you were you yes. What, you, yeah, you were. I've heard that a lot of people who live in upstate New York, because it's kind of cold, there's not a lot oh, to yeah. do, there's a lot of weed and a lot of booze. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And because and I think any cold environment. Yeah. <laughs> and then you ever hear this thing called Hansel and Gretel syndrome? Where no. pe- people don't want you to... Not my parents. Hansel not my, and Gretel syndrome. Not it's my a real parents. thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, not my parents, because my parents are good about it, but like... Certain parents back there in, in small towns, they don't want you to leave. So they go, how can I make sure this person never leaves? Wow. And they get you like – they don't get you on purpose hooked on stuff. But they go, oh, if you become an alcoholic, it will be harder for you to, to move away really. Wow. Yeah. A lot of like overweight families go through that. Like they just pry their kids with tons and tons and tons of sugar. Like because the more – you know, the bigger you are, the harder it is for you to find a mate. So you oh. kind of rely on the parents. You won't leave the home. So the parents obviously are not consciously doing this. It's no. a thing that happens where people want to mm-hmm. consciously keep their family together, so they use these weird psychological yeah, definitely aids. It's codependency. Wow, that's fascinating. So your were your parents drinkers too? Drinkers, yeah, yeah. for yeah. sure, yeah. Um, but at that mom, time, yeah, my mom that... is sober. My dad's not. My dad's not like a fall down alcoholic by any means either. Yeah, he's a he's a functioner. Yeah. So your mom is sober, like she stopped and joined the program type of thing. Yeah, totally. Oh wow, that's amazing. Because I feel like a lot of people. I feel like our generation was one of the first generations that really kind of really dove into it. Really dove into it. Yeah, my mom, she went for like 3 years and then now she's been sober like 15 years and like she does she goes like 2 3 times a year. Oh, to meetings. Yeah, to brush up on it cuz she the ones in upstate New York, I guess. Although actually I don't want anyone to hear this and get the wrong advice cause, but she found them kind of depressing. Oh, well, the ones out here are pretty uplifting. Yeah, exactly. Because we have the whole like yoga community kind of. We have really dynamic speakers out here too. Yeah, of course. You know, yeah, the whole yoga community. Well, yeah. let's let's well let's get into. Because this well, big room is yoga. They're like, no, it's AA. Go, we'll stay anyway. <laughs> but I, I feel like there Just is turn a, up the heat. There is a confluence of of the spirituality movement and the AA movement, and there's a lot of crossover. The people who are, you know, yeah. sober people in Burning Man are also in it. Anyway, I want to get back to to your story, and we'll see how far. Well, you people are very dramatic it. here too. So it's like I got to make this dramatic step, and I should go this thing where I speak and people see me. You know, I think too, like that. It's yes. people, the LA and mind a lot of them are actors too. So they want to. They would go. I have an opportunity. I have stage time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get an applause break. Someone's finally clapping. <laughs> yeah, you go up there. Have you, okay, we'll we'll get to, we'll get to your. I want to back yeah. up a little bit. Yeah. So um, so you're you graduated UNC and you were like, I want to teach history in Albany. Yes. No. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, sorry, I'm coughing. The cold air is like makes me cough. Do you want to? Do you want? You want to turn a heater? Hit pause for one second. Yeah, hit pause. Let's go deep. Okay, so uh, Mark had had a little bit of a of a coughing, but we got the heaters going. The, you got to admit, it's pretty sweet. It's awesome out here. I'm loving it. The, they got the, like the coffee bean heater. Then you got the fire pit right there. It reminds me a little bit of Europe, where you go. Oh wait, Europe, is, is he is he registering? Switch mics. What? Does it matter? Oh, louder. How's that? Is that better? Yeah. Okay, there we go. I can see it. Checking back in. Checking back in. Here we are. Um, uh, 
you, you, you had a little bit of a cold. I got you some nice hot tea. Your dog is relaxed now on the couch. I wish we had this on video because the dog is so cute. Mark, you're not bad either, but the dog <laughs> is adorable. He's a cute. We'll uh, take a photo. So we were talking about – yeah, we got to take a photo of this. Uh, we were talking about um, – uh, or at least I was talking about the fact that you went to UNC. So you were out from Albany. But then you got drawn back in, and you think it might be a little bit of the Hansel and Gretel effect. Did your parents? No, I did not get drawn back in. Once I left Albany, I never went back. No, people get stuck there. You weren't like, let me get out of. As soon as I went to college, because I went to two years of uh, junior college, then I got into UNC, moved away at nineteen, and never went back. Yeah, not that there's anything wrong with going back, but yes, you can get stuck there. Yes, especially. Oh, you weren't. No. Oh, I thought at first you taught. In Albany, no, no. Oh, no. Okay, I taught it. in San Diego. I moved to San Diego. So from UNC, how did the move to San Diego happen? That's where a job just came up. Just because I, I went to North Carolina chasing weather, honestly, just like growing up in the cold yeah. in Albany, it's freezing. You're like, wow, we don't have to live here. We can yeah. live elsewhere. And I was a sports fan, and I and I love college basketball. I actually grew up a Syracuse fan because that's the upstate New York team. Yeah. And then I was just like, okay, well, what will be warmer here? Where can I get in? Number one, and what will be warmer than here? And I picked North Carolina. And then I got there, and they still had winter. Yeah. And I was like, no, that's not – I expected yeah. this to be like beach weather all year long. No, it's true. It does get cold in Virginia, North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, there was ice. Yeah. You know, for like three weeks there was ice. And I go, no. No, fuck that. No ice. So you Googled – well, I guess it's before Google. No, I, I actually <laughs> – I'm not fucking around. I looked at the map and I go, what's the farthest west and south I can go? <laughs> that was San Diego when I went there. Really? Yeah. So how did you find a job there? How does one find a job? I just in general got in a car and I, I didn't have. No, I didn't you have, didn't. You dr- just drove to San Diego. Uh-huh. No job. Uh uh-uh. uh. With a uh-huh. button down and a tie. $187.50. With no job prospects. Zero. Weighted tables. Uh, and this is just you. What did your parents think of this plan? Were they like, what the fuck? They were this? sad. You know, especially. Yeah, they were definitely sad. It was, And it was just like, but I just knew that I didn't want to be there. And I was like, you guys want to come with me? And they're like, no. I go, well, I'm going. Oh, wow. And I just left. Yeah, and you literally took your car and your belongings, yep. packed everything in it. This is like yep. from a movie. Yeah. And you just drove across. You remember the route yep. you took? Yeah, the, the 40. You took the 40 all you, the way. Well, it's either the 40 or the 10. Did you white knuckle it the whole time or are you like taking the scenic tour? And no, we took a scenic place? tour. Yep. Who, who's we? Me and a, and, a, and, a, and a fraternity brother from college. Okay. He became a lawyer. He went to law school in San Diego. Okay. And I, he and I just talked about it in college. Like, hey, man, fucking San Diego. We so you just there. drove out together. Neither of you had a plan. No, well, he had he had gotten into law school, but I had no plan. Yeah, you had no plan. And he um, he had money because his father died, so he inherited a little cash. And I was like, "Lucky, I know, <laughs> totally." <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, man, I don't have any money." He goes, "I'll I'll do. I think I think maybe he paid the first two months' rent." Oh uh, yeah. You know, and I was like, "I'll find a job." And I found a, you know what it is, man. Life finds a way. I found a job within a day. What was your job? Waiting tables at the worst restaurant in the city. Had you waited tables before? In in North Carolina during okay. college, okay. my senior so you, year, because that does take a, a, a skill. Oh yeah, definitely. That's, you know, I, I I catered once before, and I was I think I sp- it was again see for movie. I think I spilled on someone. Yeah, of course, everyone spills on someone early on. Like it's like a whole bowl of soup down their head. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, go, oh, I'm supposed to take the drinks off. So where in San Diego were you living? I was living in uh, La Jolla, South like the beach? South San Diego, Tijuana. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was living no, not no. I was living just because we had a dog. So back then, not every apartment complex took dogs like they do now. So we had to find like there was only like, two complexes. Did the dog there. come with you on the trip? Dog came with us on the trip. Oh my god! Yep, we we left her in the car and outside Graceland. She almost died. That was dumb. Oh boy! Yeah, we thought like, well, keep the windows down, every window down like <laughs> six little, inches, and yeah. no bad plan. It was just like, poor Alia. Anyway, 
Um, and then uh, drove across country and, and just you get there and you, in a day. So how how does one find a job waiting tables in San Diego? You just knock on doors, help. Back then, signs? I think it was the paper, and I just opened the paper and it said they were hiring. And I just walked in. I was like, I just moved here. I need a job. I think people could see desperation in your eyes. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? You go, yeah. this guy's not going to leave here anytime <laughs> soon. And I worked there for like two years. Yeah, and at this point. Obviously, comedy wasn't even your periphery vision. No, it was. I it started was. writing. I wrote for six months before I stepped on stage, and I. So you already knew that you wanted to get on stage. One hundred percent. Oh, that's why cool. I moved out there. Oh wait, why did you move out to San Diego? Just too just... scared to move to L.A. Okay, so it was, it was like not the, like it was from close, any... but not quite there. Got it. Yeah, okay. and then I got kind of bogged down there. I, I went up staying in San Diego. I stayed there for nine years, and I probably stayed two years too long. Yeah, well, there's there's a whole thing that happens in. And I know this more from the point of view of an actor, particularly in New York. You can make so much money waiting in New York, or at least you could make so much money waiting in New York that there's a whole community of actors yeah. that make more than they'd make acting as bartenders. Definitely. And then it's very fun, intoxicating, literally, and figuratively scene. So that you, hot women, you're, you're kind of a mini celebrity. Yeah. So the next thing you know, it's five years gone by and you're still bartending and you yeah. haven't Taking steps and all the acting. busters are break dancers. <laughs> are <they really>? <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like with comedy, it's a little bit different because at comedy, there's always. Uh, I, I feel like you can make that meld better with a, a waiting job, maybe sometimes because they're both night oh, jobs. Oh yeah, for and, sure. You know. No doubt about it. And then, uh, then I, I there's a com and I also looked up. I made sure there was a comedy club in San Diego, and it was the Comedy Store La Jolla. Comedy Store La Jolla, yeah. Yeah, and then, and everyone said that. I remember like asking around a little bit and be like, is that a good place to start? And be like, that's a great place to start. Do you have any friends in comedy at this point? Anyone from school or? No, just, I just started going to the shows. Like my high school friend moved out there too. And uh, he, you know, quote unquote, wanted to do comedy. He never did. Yeah. But we would go to the comedy club on open mic night and be like, you don't think these guys were celebrities because they had like a six minute act. And, yeah. and you know, some of them became celebrities. Bobby Lee. Well, who, who's the first friend you made in comedy? Or first person that you kind of met and had an interaction with in comedy that you can think of? Uh, his name is Paul Shefflin, and I, he's not—he doesn't do comedy anymore. I saw him years later, but he had a, he had a good act, and he encouraged me early on. Mike Cisco, he was a uh -huh. cruise ship comic. Yeah, he's based out of New York, and he lives in like Vermont, and he was an awesome comic. He used to get standing ovations every single open mic. He would do fifty At minutes open mic standing ovation. It was okay. crazy. So people who don't know, okay, just to get a laugh out of no. Yeah, mic. this guy he was incredible. But, oh, the open but mic is standing Diego. ovations. Oh, open mic is different. There, open mic in San Diego has an audience of like fifty. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it's not in. There's not that many clubs. There was no. There was only one club back then. Yeah, and even the open mic now in San Diego gets a really good audience. That's why it's a good place to start because yeah. there's a legit audience in the. I, I mean, my fourth. The fourth show I ever did was 220 people or so. Oh, wow. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's why. And I got bogged down there because you get, you know, addicted to going up in front of good crowds and you go, why would I move to LA and start bombing again? But then eventually I got engaged to move up here. Okay, well, let, let, let's, let's, before we get to the engaged start, and, and, and I want to hear that story if you don't mind talking about no, it. Yeah. We've talked about it before. Um, so at this point, you're, you're waiting tables. You're not teaching, though, in San Diego at this point. Teaching I waited later. tables for two years. After two years, I went back to graduate school for one year. Yeah. Start substitute teaching. Substitute taught for two and a half years. And then a school that liked me being a substitute. That's how you get a job as a teacher. Is yeah. It's like, it's like as an actor, your recurring role, and then they make your... Uh, uh, exactly. Uh, I was a recurring role at, a, role, role at an elementary school. <laughs> <laughs> and they made you a series regular. They made me a series regular. Okay, that's really cool. And this was a, this was a job as a history teacher, yeah? No, no. First grade. First grade. Because I got some advice at the um, at the college. I go, you know, every history major 
wants to be a history teacher. Yeah. He goes, but you're a guy. He goes, if you got, if you did elementary school, I can pretty much guarantee you'll get a job pretty quickly. Yeah. And I did. Wow. First grade. One of my uh, favorite comics of all time taught third grade. Ted Alexandro. You know. Oh, Ted, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think he taught third grade um, uh, like music. I was about to say music theory, but no, you don't do theory. No, he, third he taught grade. third grade stand-up comedy. <laughs> okay guys knock knock um so you're teaching first grade have you talked a lot about funny shit from from i think you'd have stuff in your act about it right i used to have a lot more i don't really do it any i mean i if i'm doing like something somewhere where i have to be really clean yeah yeah, yeah. someone specific then i'll then i'll fall back on my old teacher stuff what, it, what it works some, do you have some funny you must have some stories from first grade that yeah i got a, i got a great little story my last year teaching um Towards the end of my teaching, there's more and more autistic kids. Yeah. And uh, when I first had started, the kids were aided. So every autistic kid would have their own state-given aid who wow. would follow them around and be with them all day long. And this person was... That's, they were in charge of that like one kid. Man in black? Like, what was this person? <laughs> they would, it like used to be kid, like an older kid, woman. An older woman, yeah. She would just kind of like be near him yeah, or her. Without explanation to the rest of the class. They kind of knew. So they'd be like, oh, he's special, but not yeah. like, not special, like, you know, um, couldn't learn, but like, they know something's up. Yeah. 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 And uh, usually you have the discussion, the first day that kid is absent for a day, like is sick, you go, yeah. hey, let's have this talk. And the kids are like, yeah, we noticed something. Go, yeah, you, you're on track. You know, yeah. there's something going on here. And what would you say? How would you explain autism to a group of first graders? I don't I, I think they could just kind of get it kind of like we all do like it's just that something's just up because it's like they're not they're not totally off like, yeah they're brilliant in these ways and they just like he's special you go yeah he is yeah and they pick up on it and they, they pick up on that because autistic kids they have a hard time being social especially at that age sure and um and being a, obviously they don't hug other kids or no have any physical contact yeah it's called a robot hug yeah. That's what they call it. Like, oh, really? That's one little diagnosis. Like, gives a robot hug. <laughs> you go, yeah, that's him. What does a robot or, hug mean? They just arms flat? Or yeah. Just... Like, I, they don't really mean it. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I well, don't really mean it when I hug people, too. Um, yeah, but you're on the spectrum. I probably am. Why would you say that? No. That might be true. <laughs> no. All right. So, probably. So, um, okay. So, go go on the story. Go on the story. So, the story with this little kid who actually just graduated college and he's a, a kinesiologist. Wow. But I diagnosed him. Because actually, first grade is when you diagnose a lot of kids autistic wow. because they've been in school for a year. Mm -hmm. One teacher's had a set of eyeballs on them. But you could be in kindergarten and you don't know what's going on. Oh, yeah. In kindergarten, how can you tell? Everyone's autistic. Right. And then by first grade, you're kind of like the other kids are advancing in ways that this kid's not. And this kid is advancing in ways that the kids aren't. Yeah. Like this kid knew so much about space. It was crazy. Yeah. Like knew more than, of course, than I knew, but knew more than like scientists knew. Yeah. But he only wanted to talk about space. Yeah. And so he wanted to talk about space and Star Wars and trains. And that's it. Yeah. And so, it, you know, three quarters of the way through the year, they're like, his parents, we diagnosed some autistic around the spectrum. And he's like, you know, try to get him to do other things. And I was like, Christopher, we're learning about walruses today. You got to do something about a walrus. <laughs> so I'm back there 20 minutes later and he drew a picture of a the Millennium Falcon being flown by a walrus. <laughs> That's the best, man. Yeah, and I, I go... You did it? I go, what is that? I go, there's no walrus there. He goes, That's a walrus. I go, I thought that was Chewbacca. <laughs> and he started laughing. He goes, no, these are the walrus's teeth. 
And I go, all right. And I go, and I hung it up. I go, I go, he did it. You're a gold star. But then I remember at the end of the year, though, because his parents, like, you know, they're not emotionally attached to their family either as much. The kids aren't, yeah. And But then at the end of the year, he wrote this, like, heartfelt thing to his family and hung it up on the wall. Whoa. And his dad started crying. I go, look what Christopher did. And he read it, and he was like, he wrote this? And he wrote this whole thing about his family. And it, was, it was all, like, and they, they have much better treatment for the best thing you do with autism is acknowledge that the kid has it. Sure. Because there's a ton of treatment for it now. Because yeah. it's really just socialization, acknowledging it. Autism, what they kind of figured out is the, that the quadrants of the brain are not communicating. Mm-hmm. That's why they have a hard time putting a, a full world perspective together. Yeah. So if you can kind of just like get them jumping through hoops early, they'll be fully successful. Like I said, this kid is has a degree in kinesiology. He wound up playing soccer. Um, and he's fully social. He'll probably have a, a wife and... He's not just like, you know, working in a fast food restaurant. Not that there's yeah. any shame in that game, but it's like yeah. he, he's going to have a career. So, I mean, that's all a big discussion right now is what exactly that means to be on the spectrum, right? Because this kid does not sound like he has autism. Sounds like he has Asperger's, right? Yeah, but he had, in, in the first grade, he had what would you would call severe autism. I mean, he really, he, yeah, he could not, he didn't have friends. He would constantly distract class. He could not bring up any subject but those two subjects. And, and he was, combative when he wanted to be. I mean, he's yeah. a great egg now. He actually came to my show in Vegas one time. Does he get humor? Because that's one of the things that a lot of people who are on spectrum... He gets it now, really but he didn't then. Humor. That's what I'm saying. Like, you got to acknowledge it so that once you get him socialized and you're doing the therapy and they have... They probably have medication for it now. I'm thinking... Yeah. You know, I'm not positive on that. But the... Uh, the quicker you get them jumped through... The thing... The real thing is to not hide them from the world. Yeah. Because that's what people will do. Yeah. And so when... If you... And... And to, and to honestly acknowledge what they're going through because, yes, I do think he gets humor because he, he'll like my posts that are funny now. He's like one of the few kids that are that is on my Facebook page. Huh. That's really fascinating. I, I've, I've been hearing so much about it. I mean, there's obviously the vaccine debate going about. You said that the more yeah, kids... Yeah, that's just... They've debunked that completely now. They say more kids now are, are autistic than ever. And you said you started, you witnessed the rise of that when you were teaching. Yeah. Why is that then? What's the argument that why more people are being diagnosed with autism? Because people are having kids much later in life? No, they think it's pollution. It's probably actually drug use by the parents. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> if you want me to guess. But it's also, there's just more people. There's more people. And it's easier to yeah. diagnose before you speak. I mean, don't they say that? Yeah, like it's half, easy. Exactly. It's easier to half diagnose. Half of Silicon Valley is, is people on the spectrum. Yeah, exactly. If you read that book, uh, Running with Scissors, Augustine Burroughs' uh-huh. brother would follow trains around and they go in the seventies there was like, Jesus kid's a little odd. Yeah. But he, he has he's yeah, he's an autistic brother. Yeah. So, so yeah, they're better at diagnosing it. So maybe in the past when I was growing up, kids were just nerds. Yeah, totally. They're, look at that he's weird. He's a nerd. Yeah, you can take maybe out of that. That's it's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. So um but that's actually a really uplifting story. That's not really a, a humorous story about yeah. first grade. Do you have any stories that are that involve I don't know. I, I always think like Teaching, teaching first grade, there must be, I mean, I, I used to teach, when I was in high school, I would teach kids who were mentally, severely mentally handicapped. Right. And um, I remember my teacher would do impersonations of kids that she taught. I mean, Your for like, would? For, she'd go, oh, and then, and then Danny'd be like, oh, but, and I was like, that's so rude that she's making fun of this mentally retarded child. And after two months of working with the kid out I, I had like his impersonation spot on wait i didn't know that you you worked in school i i, I took a, a semester in my last year in, in high school i helped kids with yeah mental mental handicaps i yeah, went to that a were younger program. than you were at the same age 
think they were probably around the same age, but yeah. severely like fragile X and fetal alcohol syndrome. Oh yeah, who, totally. You know, you would take them to the store to buy a candy bar and get change. That right. was the, that was the job for the day. Yeah. And I remember, and by the end of it, I had like a spot on impersonation of, of my kid. Yeah. You say, I can't believe they're making fun of us. Like, no, you, you just, that's how you deal with it. Yeah. That's how you deal with it. Especially if you're in high school. Yeah. So what, did you have any other crazy ex- stories from first grade? How long did you teach first grade for? Three and a half years. The uh, first two, I did what was called reading recovery, Yeah, which is you're a fully credentialed teacher, but you just, all I did was get kids caught up on reading because first grade is a grade where they hold you back Yeah, before it affects you too much that you've been held back. So if you're like, and it's also at an age you realize you might've put your kid in kindergarten too young because uh-huh. the rest of the kids are, you know, reading at first grade, a lot of kids are reading at a quote unquote fourth grade level. Yes. But then you got a certain kid who may be on the edge of the age group that got put in kindergarten and they're reading at a mid kindergarten level. Yeah. So, you know, let's just hold him back. So if your kid's on the edge, it really is a good idea to, to just wait. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel that, um, <laughs> do you have an opinion about what's happening with like education in America? Is that something that you, that you keep tabs oh, of course. on? That no, yeah, for sure. It's, it's what, I mean, please, of course. Well, what, what is, cause you it's, hear, it's, hear it's, so it's every, Barack Obama's number one. The only thing Barack Obama did wrong is he should have completely rebuilt the education system, system of the South and Midwest. Cause these people would, would not have voted this way. That's what these vax, these anti-vaxxers are. It's all just a lack of education. It's yeah. killing people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, you, you know, it's the rise of Trumpism is from it. Correct. So you think that the anti-vaxxers came from people just not being educated in yeah, school? Yeah, you're a dumbass. But what, didn't that get promulgated by people like Jenny McCarthy, who was like... Yeah, yeah, that was a big deal. That was a people, big thing. Definitely. Yeah, so people just look at that and go, okay, I guess that's true. Yeah, but it, what's her education level? No, nothing. I'm not, I don't, I'm sure she's pleasant, but what, what <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What, is she some scholar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? By the way, you were called, are you hot now? Because it's pretty hot. I'm, you can turn them down. I'm fine. So. Okay, good. Do you want to turn them down? No, I'm cool. Yeah, I'm good. Um, I, just, I just put the heater like right on your head. I want to make sure. Um, so was there a point where you're doing this? You're still doing comedy the whole time you're doing the- Yeah, I started first, comedy right? before I even went to graduate school. Oh, wow. Then down in San Diego. I mean, because now there's just more opportunity for comedy because this is like pre-comedy explosion with the internet. Yeah. Um, and so I was only doing comedy once every two weeks on Sunday because that's where you were allowed. Yeah. Is that you could do that every was the open mic at the comedy store on Sunday nights. You could do every two weeks. You had to bring four people. Obviously, a couple of times I had to buy three tickets. Yeah, of course. But it, it was full. Yeah. Every, you know, it was always, you know, 50 to 220 people. Did you feel that you were living a kind of dual life as a comic and as a teacher? Absolutely. Or, yeah. Especially after like three years when you have it, just even a, a semi entertaining set. Yeah. And you're finally getting laid because you're like 24 <laughs> years old or 23. You know, that's so exciting. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I got laid at 19 for the first time. I get laid again until I was 21. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, I was, you know, I was a late bloomer, which is good. But then the definitely leaves you with a lot to prove. We're like, no, of course, I'm going to try to sleep problem. with everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now you're doing comedy and you're, you're, getting, you're getting girls from the open mic scene. Yeah. And then you wake up Monday morning. Because it's Sunday. So Monday morning you had to wake up like, hey, kids. And make yeah, look like but I Rogers. always did it because you know it actually fit into my schedule quite well because I nap every day still, and elementary school ends at two o'clock, so I'd be in bed by three o'clock. <laughs> you know, I would walk out with the students to the car. Yeah, I would yeah. grade the papers at lunch because it's simple math. Yeah, and really, first grade is reading math, reading math, reading math, outside math, math inside reading. You know, yeah, yeah, just like it's all just you just get them, you get them reading, you get them socialized, you get their math going, and that's it. So obviously when you had this, you kind of diagnosed this kid and he's very successful now. That must feel like a huge sense of oh, accomplishment. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You had other moments like that? What, was that the biggest moment where you felt like, wow, this really makes me feel that I've done something important with this 
with this job. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and well, the first grade, there's so little. And there's so, I mean, like, I remember this one little girl. She was like the class little beauty queen. She's a little quiet Asian chick. She had little blonde, blonde highlights. And I could not get her to um, do sports. And she went to college on a soccer scholarship. And I watched Whoa. some of her videos and she was just rough. I was like, Jesus, who is this the same person? Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, yeah, you take pride in it. But like, they're so young. Like, even with the kid that I'm talking about, I, I got to be honest, I didn't have much hope. Yeah, for sure. I thought that the family would have to take care of him. And so when I, it was, but also it was more autism was on the rise end. So it was hard to figure out what, I remember when he was in my class, autism appeared on the cover of Time Magazine. Oh, like, wow. With, yeah. And it was like, and that's where I learned about him. I go, oh my God, this is, this is my student. Interesting. Wow. Wow. So um, now at this point, you meet, you meet your fiance at some point around here, right? Yeah. She's the mom of the autistic kid. No, no, she's not. No, no, Jesus Christ. No, I was like, this is no. getting way too much like a soap opera. <laughs> oh, yeah. Totally. So was she also a teacher? How did you meet her? No, she's a musician down in San Diego. Did you meet her at open mic? You just crushed Met her. Set. Actually, yeah, at an open mic. She was doing music. I was doing comedy. Oh, wow. Because mm-hmm. at this point, now there's one other show like in the all part of town. Yeah. Met her there. Knew I wanted to be with her right away. And this is one thing I learned back then is like never – you should try to convince a girl to be with you. And you should pursue a girl. But don't over-pursue because – we were together for two and a half or three years, but that's one of the requirements. It's like, you got to want to be with me pretty early. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you felt that she wasn't into you? What do you mean? You felt that you were you were the aggressor the whole time and she was going, eh. A little bit. Yeah, yeah definitely. Like, I would never, not that I overstand myself either because we actually were a good couple, but it was just, um, yeah, I think it's like, I don't know. I haven't thought even thought about being in a relationship since then until recently. Cause now, really? Yeah, because it's just calming down a little bit. So you were uh, – because I know this – I don't know how far you want to get into this, but you you <laughs> you got engaged. And how old were you? Got engaged. engaged moved to, and she gave me – she she wanted to move here to L.A. without doubt. She got a show uh, – this little internet show was sponsored by Ford. It was supposed to be on MTV, the actual MTV. Mm-hmm. Then it came out terrible because she was terrible in it and her partner in it was terrible and it was just awful writing. And It was it was, it was singing, a singing, singing show? Singing. It was a show sponsored by Ford where they went, went across the country doing acoustic music, <laughs> which sounded great at the time. She yeah. getting paid well and all, we moved to L.A. together and all of a sudden she was just gone and I couldn't handle it. I was – even though I was like 29, like I just couldn't handle it. What do you mean you couldn't handle it? She was just gone. We moved here together. We got a wedding hanging over our head. We're oh, raising okay. money so for it. So you're engaged. You're raising yeah. money for a wedding. And she's just traveling. She's just traveling. I'm brand new. To, and I'm just out of my mind in LA with stress. And, and you probably can't get – it's hard to get gigs here as a comic. Oh, yeah. I'm still bartending in San Diego. So I'm working down there two or three nights. And I'm working up here two or three nights or two or three days. I think I was waiting tables during the day. And then she's on the road. And she was cool. I mean like it was, it, it was just like – it was too much for a young couple to handle. Yeah. Yeah, and we should, looking back on it, we should have postponed our wedding by a yeah. year. The second we said, big life decision, move to L.A., postpone wedding by a year. Because yeah. we didn't really start fighting until we moved to L.A. and there was a wedding hanging over our head. Instead, of she was on the road. Yes. But how, how could you diagnose that unless you've been through that? Of course. And you have anyone who can like help you walk through that either. Cause... Yeah, our relationship essentially had autism. It had to be, di- <laughs> it had to be diagnosed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do advance. And so uh, how, how did that end up ending, that, that uh, relationship? It just, I mean, I caught her quote unquote cheating. It wasn't. We were why, do you, why do you quote unquote? Because it was just. We were already like dead in the water and it, our wedding was, she postponed our wedding and, yeah. you know, but not like in a good way. Yeah. You know, I was like, I got to make time to decide. And she yeah, thought sure. she, she thought she was going to be a star. 
Oh, wow. Is that, is that what you think happened? She was like, I'm going to be a star, so I should Definitely. probably yeah, she, she keep my producers, options open. But I don't care. I say that with no bitterness now. Yeah. But, but Are you back still then, in touch with her? No. She, fuck no. What does she do now? No, bitterness. You're like, fuck she does, no. No, she doesn't. I mean, I think. Because at the time, too, it's so hard because I was like, oh, my God. She's going to be huge. Yeah, of course. And then the show didn't come out good. It got yeah. put on the internet. Yeah. And each episode got like 200 hits. Yeah. And it was just awesome. <laughs> do you know what you I'm broke it up at this point. Yes. Yeah, I always think about that. People who are dating someone or married someone, and then they break up. And I mean, look, actually, I'll I'll, I'll say this, and I don't think I'm violating anything by saying this. Um, Tiffany Haddish's ex-husband. Yeah. Now this guy was a piece of shit, and yeah. um, he would come around the clubs. He was like a former marine. I probably shouldn't call a former marine a piece of shit, but anyway. Um, oh, whatever. I've met. A I, I I got a call from Tiffany's lawyer last week. First of all, I go, I go, this is a law firm of, I'm like, okay, what have I done? I represent yeah. Tiffany Hash. I'm like, I haven't done anything Tiffany Hash. What's going on? And they're basically, look, this guy's suing her. You know? For what? Because she, her book, uh, The Last Black Unicorn. Yeah. Um, there's passages that reference the fact that he beat her, which he did. Yeah, totally. And he's suing for defamation. And it's just, you know, and obviously here's this guy. They And it wasn't like... She got famous and then they broke up. It's like she divorced him and then like three months later, she booked everything. Oh, really? Because she was married when we first met her? I didn't know that. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, she, she was married to him like three years ago. Yeah. And he, well, I feel like she booked everything. I'm not disputing what you say, but I feel like she booked everything last year. She, she booked, started like No, I'll tell you where she booked moving everything. Moving ahead. But remember, I, I, uh, before the sun explodes, the film that we did together, mm-hmm. the film that you love so much love and it. that you promote so much on your social media. Loved it. Check it out on Amazon Prime, guys, for free. Mark, hey, that film. I thought it was good. You were good, then. I thought you were great, then. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anyway, uh, yeah, the dog on the loose. So, anyway, uh, Tiffany, you know, she was offered the female lead in that movie, right? Oh, oh, I she, remember that. She came in and she was offered it in the room. And I remember then, that. And then I called her and I said, hey, and I was, they were like, can you lean into her to make sure she can do it? And she said, Bill, I really want to do it, but I just had two callbacks for two shows and you know they might like me. I go, callbacks for what shows? Like, one's an NBC show and one's a, a studio feature. Oh, and I'm I remember going, this. I'm like, bitch, you're not going to get you, – you, ooh, you got a callback. These Who little curveballs. And it was the Carmichael show and Keanu. And she booked both of them. So obviously she's like, uh, I can't do your pissant independent film because I just booked. I remember this. Although I will say this, I if I Tiffany hurt. had played the female lead in Before the Sun Explodes, yeah, I think that film would have been, of course, big. Not, I mean, it probably would have done Sundance. Yeah, she would have played nice. it better. Yeah, no it had been. Yeah, complete, the girl wasn't good. It was too hard. It, was it would hard, have been a yeah. completely different movie. Yeah, um, as it was, it was very white as it. Anyway, so um, so that was 2015. Yeah, when I shot that movie, I think. Was it 2015? Mm-hmm. I think it was 2015. So Tiffany had just booked Keanu and Carmichael show then. So then really 2016 is when Carmichael show and Keanu came out. And then obviously Girls Trip is like – but anyway, the point is like right before they'd, – they'd broken up right before that stuff. Um, so he probably felt very bitter by the fact that he can't sue her. Especially if he's already for, angry, yeah. Yeah, he, he couldn't sue her for alimony because they weren't married when she was making any money. Great call by her. It's know, these little right? decisions uh, that are huge. Because if she was giving him half the money, she'd be so angry, and rightfully so. Yeah, but now, but sure, he's still suing her, and obviously the lawsuit has enough merit that's going forward that he's suing her for, 
you know, she needs character witnesses. It's, it's very bizarre. Anyway, yeah. um, so I just always saw the, the idea of like. Do you get an, I, an IMDb credit for being a character witness? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just got a call back on a character witness. <laughs> yeah, I, I go, what are you doing? I got to call his lawyer back. <laughs> I'm, doing a, I'm doing a Tiffany Haddish show. It's yeah. called Court. Um, that's great. So, um, so that's funny. Have you ever have you ever done the thing that we all do? Well, I don't really do it. I think all women do it. I think 100% of women do it, and maybe 10% of men do it, where you sort of like inter- Instagram stalk or retroactively look and say, of what's course. up with my ex? Who, so can't, who does not? Yeah, I check it. I don't do it with my ex that I thought I was going to marry. I don't at all. Never. No, I check. I did once maybe, but I don't do it anymore. Yeah, you check here and there. Yeah. You know, uh, for the first few months, you're checking every week. <laughs> yeah. Then you check in like once every couple of years. When I look at it now, I go, oh, I wonder what they're up to. And I look. What is she up to? She's married. She has a kid. Both her parents died. That sucked. Oh. And yeah. you you probably were friends with the parents too. Yeah. 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 Not at uh, the end. I mean, I think everything ends kind of bitter. Of course. Of course. But that's always a big deal when, you, when you're gay. So at, the, at that point, did, did that spark a life change for you where you're like, I'm going to. Yes. I became just no girl will hold me down for a very long time. Which I think is probably good. Yeah, definitely. And so for just 12 years, I just became wild. You like became wild. feral animal. And because the, then I was like, I'm going to pour all of my fucking emotion into my work, into, into stand-up comedy, and, you know, and really go at it. And, I, and also just like, you know, going like, okay, this is square peg round hole. Yeah. I can't be married right now. And, and I'm in LA. And then all of a sudden, the career starts getting exciting. And all, I'm traveling more. And we would have never made it. Of course. And that was a good thing to know. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what was the first time when you were in your career that you kind of were you like, okay, things are kind of happening for me, and this is something that I can do in LA? Oh, God. I, well, maybe when I got my own show at the improv and started promoting it and getting on good lineups, and then, you know, booked my first little Comedy Central thing. But it's been a slow go for me, for sure. You know, just being kind of an average, an average oh, white guy. Here's, here, his dog is exploring. We've had a couple shows where people have their dogs, and the dogs, they always have to explore it. It's a very, yeah. You have a French fry anywhere? <laughs> Don't want my got the French fry. Oh, well, he's smelling something. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you did you did Adam Devine's house party. That's right, too. Yeah. Yeah. I did your jokes on there. So it went great. Oh, awesome, man. <laughs> See, we both did it, basically. <laughs> so we, uh, yeah, we, we've, um, who, who was the first person that you sort of like uh, toured with when you went on the road? Did you tour with anyone? Adam Ray. Adam Ray. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, you still tour with him, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're writing a script together, too. I'm excited about that. Yeah. And tell me about the shows. So you're you promoting book shows at the at the at the improv at the improv. Uh, I help with a few other at different clubs, not to be named, but the yeah. uh, I help I I now help people behind the scenes a lot. Yeah, and use my old email lists and text lists just to promote. Oh, that's cool, man. <laughs> yeah, I never want to be the face of a show again. Really, why not? It's just too much stress, and it, it led to a lot of drinking for me. Yeah, because I was always having to tell people no that I didn't want to tell people, or I couldn't give everyone the things that they that they wanted. Yeah, you know. I could, you know, a guy with one credit or two credits that I'm friends with, I can have it on the show twice a year where they yeah. want to be on it every month. Of course. Like, but I have to fill But they room. must understand that too, No, right? of course they don't. They don't, okay. No. At least in their eyeballs, they don't. They yeah. say they do and then they look at you like... And I imagine you have, as a comic book or promoter, everyone's coming to go like, dude, I'm so much funnier than blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. Why is blah, 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 blah? I'm so much funnier than blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, exactly. It's awful. I mean, everyone. I mean, I, th- I think in a way, it's kind of a blessing and a curse of comedy. Everyone thinks their comedy is better than the other person's comedy, and I guess that's what you need to get on stage. Yeah, is to think that what you're doing is unique and special and different Definitely. and better. Definitely. Um, I don't mind. That. I mean, there are people that I, I, 
you know, <laughs> I'm not going to name names, Sean Joshi, but, um, <laughs> you know, I love Sean. We've worked with Sean so much, but you know, yeah. Sean, Sean has that when I was in, when I was in school for acting, I had my, my first acting mentor. I said, I was talking about this actor that I was working with. I go, he got some big break with like David Mamet or something. Yeah. And I was, <laughs> I was like, man, I'm, I said, I wrote my, I wrote my emails. I'm so much better than this guy. Why, why would he get a break and I wouldn't or something like that? I was in college and he wrote me back. What I, what I look back now, I thank God. Yeah. But at the time I just felt so, cause he wrote back basically like shut the fuck up with that stuff. If you're going to compare yourself yeah. to other actors in your life, you're, you've, you're co-signing a life of misery. Yeah. And that's great advice for a young guy. Cause that is the feeling I, I, I yes, those are the early feelings of. So I, I and it's funny cause it really hurt me when he said that and I was like, but, 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 but. I think I complained about it. And, he goes, and then, this is going to happen a thousand more times. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I get it because it is something that you can – so I've, I've really either consciously or unconsciously made the effort to not make that a part of my dialogue. Yeah, definitely. I don't think I've ever said, you know, I think I'm better than this person. Yeah. I might say I think that person sucks, which is another way of saying it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I might scream it alone in the shower, but I won't tell other people that. Yeah. Or you can be like, oh, I didn't get that special. I didn't get what, that joke. But in general, like I'm not going to go around going – I'm so much better than blah because that's just like yeah. You've man. said no to specials, huh? You said no to specials. <laughs> oh, that's an, that's another podcast, Mark. We can talk about that. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I, I did want to talk to you a little bit about uh, partying, about partying and drinking stuff because we we've had some fun times together. Yeah. You know, you're you're definitely when you're you're one of these people like you're a, definitely a fun drunk. Yeah. Um, but I don't remember a lot the next you day. Yeah. And you're, you become the guy who buys everyone in the bar drinks. Yeah. To all my friends. Um, very gregarious. You're, you're very kind of like yeah. manhandling. Like, hey, guys. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, but then my checking account's overdrafted for no reason. <laughs> you know, I have money for all the drinks, but I don't have money yeah, for my yeah. lighting bill. And, and you also it also probably brings out like a little bit of like an edge to you too, right? That a little bit, definitely. Things happen and you're like, it makes you like, what the fuck? Uh, I'll say this. They go, when you stop drinking, you become your authentic self. And I go, and it turns out my authentic self is a virgin. Whoa. Wait, what, what's that again? Your they authentic go, self? Yeah, they go, when you stop drinking, it brings out your authentic self. Yeah. And it turns out my authentic self is a virgin. Interesting. Because a lot of drinking is you're sleeping with people. You know, like Of course. You and a, couple, you and a girl have a couple of drinks, you're, you're going to be way more likely to sleep together. So do you think there was a time in your life when if you slept with a girl, you were pretty much going to be intoxicated a yes. little bit? Yeah. Because that was how it how it went down. Yeah, of course. In our scene. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. So I haven't uh, been in a relationship in, in twelve years. Yeah, I remember that. And you So it's dating and party, you get just swept up and the, and the girls go to you for that time. Yeah. You know, they go, Oh, this guy drinks and parties and carries on and you know, and then they'll they'll come to you for that. Yeah. You're advertising it. Yeah. Give a bill a, a, an advertisement across your chest. I'm the good time guy. Yeah. <laughs> come exactly. here for that. Which uh, can can <laughs> you can ride that train for a while. That yeah, can be kind of that fun. becomes addicting. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, then you're for you're, both parties. And for a guy who was a first grade teacher, not getting laid know, in San Diego, hooking up with Instagram models in Los yeah. Angeles, it, it's very like, whoa, this yeah. is this is amazing. It's all linked, so I had to stop it all. Yeah, yeah. I so how did that? How for, first of all, um, what was? I mean, you know, it depends how far you want to talk about this, but was there? Because there are a couple, and we've talked about it, we've been friends for a while. There, there are a couple moments where you're like. I, I don't really think I've ever been with you when you hit bottom. Do you feel that something happened where you hit bottom? No, just enough. Just uh, but no, no, definitely not. Just uh, just not where I want to be or wanted yeah. to be. 
Was there a moment where this where you had had a realization that? Oh fuck! This is not many, any, <laughs> so many. You know, yeah. yeah, it's just so many nights. But that's the thing too is like because I work hard. Yeah, and because we're comedians, and you can perform in a bar, it's hard to diagnose if you're out of control. Of course, it's very hard because you're getting rewarded a lot. A lot of people who hit rock bottom have no friends, they have no money, there's no girls around. Yeah, so it's hard when you you get a pretty good amount of money and a pretty good amount of girls and a pretty good amount of friends it's hard to diagnose if you're out of control yeah so it's really like are you is your life as good as it should be or even close and i go no this is not even close to how 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 good it should be yeah i was uh because then you save a lot of money too because i I, you know i haven't drank in a while and then i call my mom i go mom you know i've borrowed a lot of money over from you over the years and i feel like i've never really paid you back and and i go i don't know the exact number but i'm gonna start sending you some money and she goes, oh, I know the number. <laughs> and I was like, you do? And she goes, yeah, it's X amount. And I sent it to her, and she remodeled her kitchen. Holy shit. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> so and that's, like, that's in a house, not an apartment. Yeah. So that was a lot of money. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. You save a lot of money not drinking. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't overdrafted my checking account since, and life is definitely better. Yeah. You know, I think you're just kind of rolling the dice towards a good life. Yeah. So it's like, what's the – what's a, you know, I'm definitely – I would say that, you know, someone's asking about it today, actually, go, I go, my friends are a little dorkier. Yeah. You know, like I'm hanging out with some dorkier people, quote unquote. It's not as exciting. I haven't slept with anyone in months, but that's a good thing because those things are linked. That's great. Those things are very linked for me. Absolutely. Yeah. And I get all swept up into, and it's not the girls making me drink. I'm making myself drink and then I'm To feel more secure with the girls and stuff. It's the thing that we do in this country is we go out for drinks. We go at a happy hour. We go on yeah. a date. Let's have a couple of drinks so we can finally loosen up and talk. I've taken this one girl out five times. We haven't even held hands yet. Yeah. We're going out again next week. We yeah. plan in advance. Wow. You know, and um, but and I'm in no rush to do that again because uh, for me, they're all uh, – it's a neuropathway thing. I, I, to me, sex is, is – Is linked to – Is on the same pathway of, of drinking. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So do you think – is a danger – and I don't know what they talk about in different programs. It's definitely dangerous for me. And they, yeah. But they – do, do they tell you there's a certain amount of time where you shouldn't have sex? No, but they say don't date for the first year. And I, and I tend to take people's advice. Yeah. So and they say that your life is radically different if you don't drink for two years. So I'm going to try not to drink for two years. I mean, well, but I take it day by day. Yeah, I get that. It's day by day. But why, why don't you look at it and say, drinking just doesn't work for me anymore in my life. I of course. Just, I might as well never drink again. I know. Yeah. Please, of course. Do, do, you, still, do you still feel – you know, it's because, you know, I, I think we talked about this. My mom is, is – Sober? There's such, well, my mom is too. Being called an alcoholic is such an interesting thing because I feel like uh, alcoholism needs a spectrum. Could be like every alcoholic is the same. And I don't think that's true. I think think it's a spectrum, a disease. I've dated a lot of women in AA. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm like a moth to a flame with them for some reason. Yeah, me too. Uh, So I don't know if they're drawn to me or or vice versa, but. um, but Well, you're wearing a therapist sweater right now. That's true. My mom. My mom was a severe alcoholic, right? And yeah. I think that's part of the reason why I'm not really a drinker. Mine was too. That's probably why we get along so well. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. we're adult children of alcoholics. Yeah, you understand. Um, the human and you condition. know, I love my mom. You love your mom, but also you're like, bitch. What did you do? So, um, but you go out trade my mom for a different mom, and I, no, I would, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so. Um, and I think that's actually part of the reason why I don't drink is because my mom was a drunk, and it just never. It, 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 I, I took the opposite path of sort of look at, but um. Uh, what the fuck was I saying? Oh, when I, when I told people I was saying this girl in the program, which we won't say the program, she um she asked how my mom stopped drinking. I said my mom just stopped. My mom one day just said, "This is removing me from my family." Right. She stopped. 
And then my friend in the program said, well, then she wasn't really an alcoholic. And yeah. I'm like, she was drunk from age 13 until now. <laughs> yeah, totally. So she wasn't an alcoholic. Well, she could just stop. Then she basically like you need the program to get out of uh, a cycle of alcoholism. Otherwise, you weren't really an alcoholic. No, and so there, there's a lot of weird sort of opinions. Well, well they call arrogance. it a dry drunk if you haven't worked the program. Yeah. And that might be the case. But also if you have a sweet disposition, yeah, you might not be like uh, – sometimes a dry drunk has a connotation of like you still act like an alcoholic. Like you're lashing out. You make irresponsible decisions, a bunch of excuse making. You never say you're sorry. But I think if you have a sweet dip disposition, does your mom have a sweet disposition? Yeah. Yeah, then I think that you can kind of like – it's not as severe. Yeah. I do think it's a spectrum. For sure, for yeah. sure. I, I do think it's also one of the things that um, is like, and it's not a mental illness, alcoholism, or I don't know. No, it is. It's considered one. It's yeah. mental illness. Without doubt, yeah. It's still the third rail of, of, of conversation and relationships and family. No one wants to talk about mental illness. And if, if, you, yeah. if you say mental illness, it's like, oh my God, how dare you say mental illness? It's like, yeah, well, yeah. I just said gout and no one raised an eyebrow. I just, right. psoriasis, it's fine. And or that's lupus. On, those are both unsightly. Yeah, 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 and they're all co different conditions. So why yeah. is a mental condition considered so? Yeah, it's becoming more common. Yeah, to discuss it, to talk about. Yeah, what's it's much more common to talk about alcoholism and 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 what that means. And people aren't. I mean, the anonymous. It's, part it's of it. if you think, <coughs> you know, if you try to quit many times and you can't, and if once you have your first one, you can't stop. And that's what I do. Yeah, like you know, like I, I can't. I can't. Yeah, I've heard about that. There are people who they drink one and they literally it's on. It's on. On. Until they wake up in a yeah. pool of their own. And I also think it's a spectrum. Here's how. Because Don Henley was just on Howard Stern. He goes, I used to be a severe Jack and Coke drinker with cocaine, which is a, is a combination that I enjoy. And uh, he goes, and now he's he, ha he didn't drink for 20 years. Now he has a wife and he has a glass of wine with her and watches a movie at home. And Howard asked me, I, I do you think that you, don't you, aren't you afraid to go back? He goes, absolutely not. So I do have hope that one day I'll. Be able be to be able to enjoy a glass of wine. Yeah, I think so. I, I do think some people heal. I think it you got to take a huge break though. Like if I was, you know, I, I already I know for a fact if I was married and have kids, I would not carry on the way that I was. I I know I would never put a kid through that. I just flat out wouldn't. Yeah. So and he goes, I'm at home having a glass of wine. Like, if your wife is sitting there, I'm not, I'm not gonna be pounding Jack and Cokes. Yeah. And fucking and smoking weed and trying to score a bag. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm not yeah. worried about watching a movie at home. With, my eventual wife yeah. and fucking and and getting crazy. I, I could I could I know I could pull that off, but that's far down the line. Yeah, of course, yeah. of course. Well, man, I gotta say, Mark, I, I'm I'm uh you know I know you're 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 you got a little bit of a, of a cough here. It's 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 a little chilly out here. So uh yeah. So thank you for doing this, man. Um, no problem. I do want to know, like, sort of what what do you do? You have any big sort of plans going forward or are you just enjoying where you're at right now yeah i'm enjoying where i've been taking acting classes again i've been just putting all my money instead of because one thing with like drinking and carrying on is like you go oh, i don't have money for that yeah then all of a sudden you go oh wait there's money that was a lot of because you, you know you're making excuses but you don't yes you go oh no i'll book something i'll get a big payday of 30 grand and I'll, then i'll start and you go no that's not happening yeah so I've been taking more acting classes. I just signed up for another thing at Second City. Mm -hmm. There's an agent who said they'd send me out as soon as I'm done with this next round. And then um, I just need to get my life in order for now. Because partying also gets you a lot of stuff, too. Yeah. But then the balance A lot of swings. connections, a lot of friendships. A lot of connections, a lot of friendships made. And then the balance swung where I felt like for about a year and a half that it was affecting me in a way that I didn't like. And I wasn't getting those anymore. And I had, I had maxed out on the socializing aspect of Los Angeles. Yeah. 
So now I need to step back, take acting classes, be taken more seriously. Because people just don't take you seriously. Yeah. You know, they, they, you take, they take your friendship seriously and they like you. Yeah. But they go, oh, you couldn't be. But a I'm not going to put you in my TV show or yeah. movie because and why you're would they? Good Time Charlie. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And then and then you then now now I'm in a phase of like, I I do Pilates at 4:30 a.m. You know. You do? Yeah, totally. You, on your own? On your own? Yeah. Jesus Christ. I watch. There's you can. There's so much things you can do on YouTube. You can learn there's how so to much fight on in YouTube. The morning. In the morning. Yeah, I know, right? I know. I got so much more energy. But you can do. I do a half hour Pilates in the morning. Uh huh. Then I brew a pot of coffee. Me and this little man go on a walk. Yeah. We're the, <coughs> we're the first people at the dog park. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, you can learn how to do like Muay Thai on, on YouTube and defend yourself. Like, I've learned like, a lot of stuff. And I've also taken some uh, boxing class and I took in Muay Thai classes and I'm definitely working out more. Jiu-Jitsu, Mark. That's the yeah. next step. You go do I took one of me. those things. That's so sweaty and their hair is in your face and I didn't enjoy you were that. Gee. You were gi. You were the fucking. The, I didn't like a man's hair on, on my face. Like his, I get the that. top of his hair. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes. But I did learn. I'm not that. The Muay Thai is the one I've taken the most classes on. But the, I did learn something on jujitsu. I, I learned how to like defend myself a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good to know because people are so fucking violent now. Oh yeah, I can't wait to use it. Yeah. Again. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's that's really cool. And you and you're working on script and you have uh, you're doing shows, you're promoting shows. You want to plug those shows? Everything's on my website, markscomedy.com. What is it, markscomedy.com? Yeah, I just built a brand new website. It went up three weeks ago. Okay. Markscomedy, M-A-R-K-S, comedy.com. Good website, yeah. And it shows all your all your social Instagrams. Yeah, you can also check. I, all my social media is BillDawes69 <laughs> at yahoo.org. <laughs> and so, well, it's our Mark Sotelo, Mark Sotelo right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but people are dumb. They don't know how to spell. So, markscomedy.com. Checking out the improv, and you have you're always doing you're you know one thing I always admire about you you're always kind of trying new things and producing new shows whether they're in like L A oh, or different yeah, cities. Yeah, I have a new so. website coming out next Monday uh-huh. called thestandupscene.com, which oh, is wow. just reporting on the stand up comedy scene. I actually want to interview you. I thought of an interview for you. Uh huh. Um, and we'll discuss that as soon as we turn this off, and you can check that out at thestandupscene.com. That that website launches Monday. Very cool, man. Hey, Mark, man. You know I love you, man. You're you're like a good friend. I really do. You know, I, you're I a good love friend. You, too. you know I'm, that. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, sometimes there are certain people that I, I want on this podcast just because I want to hang out with them because I, I miss them, and you're yeah. one of them. Yeah. So thanks for coming, man, and thanks for coming, Rio. You guys are great. And yeah, uh, welcome. That's it. Sign off from the Afterlife. Bye bye. Great. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs>